Hello and welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. I'm Will Anderson. Uh, quick plugs up the top. Uh, I have a show called Will Legal. Uh, it is currently on tour. I am currently at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and then after that I am uh, going to Canberra, Sydney, Perth and a whole bunch of other places hopefully later in the year. But that's them for the moment, comedy.com.au. Don't go to my website. It's totally out of date. I'm going to fix it up at some stage when I have some time. Hey, uh, this episode is with Dave Hughes. Uh, Husey. Don't really have to do much of an introduction for Husey. He's a household name in Australia. But if you're listening from overseas, uh, you might not know as much about Dave Hughes. Uh, Dave Hughes and I met the first day I did comedy. Uh, we were on at the same gig at the ESPY. And uh, I have known him uh, for the last 22, 23 years. And uh, our careers in many ways have been quite different, but they've intersected at different times. Uh, we've worked together and and often I think that we have been people who have inspired each other uh, in you know different ways. Uh uh, good friends and um, uh, not somebody that I get to sit down and have this sort of conversation with all the time though. So it was really good fun. We had an absolute ball when it happened. Uh, Dave has a show on at the Melbourne Comedy Festival and touring around. Uh, it's called The Snorkeler. Uh, go and see it. I go. He's, Husey, some people will know Husey's one of the people that I go out of my way to go and see because you know that you're going to get a great night of entertainment and I think he's one of the great stand-ups. One of the... It seems weird to say about someone who's as successful as Husey, but I think he's one of the great stand-ups of all time. Um, I think sometimes, and we touch on this a little bit in the podcast, because he talks about his kids or, you know, family life or, you know, little things, that sometimes his comedy is underrated or undervalued. But I think, you know, his capacity for human understanding is, you know, uh, you know anywhere between Seinfeld and, you know, Barry Humphreys. He has an, a way of talking about the world where he can critique the world from inside the world. Most... People who are critiquing the world, you know, often doing it from slightly outside that world. That's where the critique comes from. But Husey has an amazing capacity to be of a world and critique the world all at the same time. And I think it's amazing. It's why he, uh, the Logies, as many people know, I hate the Logies, but uh, the Logies, I think, is also the toughest thing to open in show business. It's a room full of show business assholes. They're more interested in themselves than they are in your jokes. And Husey has done it every year for the last three or four years and smashed it every year for the last three or four years. And again, I think it comes down to his great capacity of being able to be of something, uh, but also critical of that thing. He is good at critiquing the entertainment business because he's also proudly part of the entertainment business. You can watch his TV show, Husey, uh, we have a problem. Husey, I have a problem. Husey, we have a problem. Husey, I have a... Anyway, his TV show. And uh, you can also um, listen to his po uh, podcast or his radio show. Um, which is using Kate. So uh, check those out. He's a brilliant entertainer. He's a great conversationalist. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, it's back. This is the new season of it, obviously. Um, this is the fourth episode, I believe. They're all out of order, but uh, I think this is the fourth one that we're putting up. So basically, I think at this stage, uh, you will have heard, um, heard, heard. Who did I turn into then? Heard Luke McGregor. You would have heard... Uh, you would have heard uh, Joe Stanley and you would have heard uh, Rod Quantock and Sam Lane. If you haven't uh, checked those out, uh, please go and check those out. And uh, we have Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those sort of things. All young, uh, run by, I'm not talking very well, sorry. I've been talking all day and I have to talk again in like an hour. So anyway, this, you don't need to hear this shit. 
Uh, most people skip this intro, I imagine, anyway. Dave Hughes is on the podcast today. I have a new producer called uh, Podcast Mike. Mike, he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, if you would like to support this podcast and see it come out more regularly, uh, I pay Mike and I pay our uh, producer, Mike Hell, and I pay James Fosdyke, who does the art. Uh, but this podcast does not make any money, obviously, so there's quite a out- lot of outlay for each episode. If you like it and you would help, like to help support it, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P, and uh, that's where you can find all the podcasts that Charlie and I do in our separate ones, and uh, you can support all that. Uh, at some stage, we'll have a philosophy level of that. We'll come up with some reward level and people can sign up to that, but in the meantime, if you want to chuck in a couple of bucks to help uh, pay everybody, that is helpful. Uh, look, the podcast comes out regardless, so if you don't want to, then that's fine. But if you would like to, uh, then that would be helpful. All right, uh, that's way too much. Oh, God, I'm so sick of talking. All right, <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. See ya. Hello and welcome to Willosophy uh, with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. And uh, this is how the podcast starts, mate. I ask you who you are. So yes. who are you? David Hughes. That's I've got it? My phone's going because I've got two phones at the moment because of the TV show. Hughesy, we have a problem. Tonight's episode, uh, I've give out my phone number on on live on air hang on so we explain well so explain phones and you and what's going on all right so what's going on with phones is me i'm actually trying to give up my phone to be honest because i've because and, and, why, and I, your I, way of doing that is the cigarette smoking approach of <laughs> like getting as many phones as you possibly can until you're sick of them so yes but i've actually back to me phone before i get to why i've done this on tonight's yeah. episode which was filmed a while back so if I had, it was only filmed a few weeks ago, but before I'd given up my phone. So it was filmed a few weeks ago. Now I'm back on my phone because of tonight's episode. But, okay. but you know what? Last week... I, I mean, had to- that does sound very much like a junkie making excuses <laughs> for... <laughs> I've got it because of the TV show. It's very close to being a junkie, actually, phone addiction. And, you know, if, for example, um, with when you have... Last week, I went to Hobart, couldn't find my phone, running around the house... Got to go to Hobart. I'm going to miss this plane. Where's my phone? Eventually, you got to make a decision. Got to go to Hobart without my phone because I've got to make the plane. And I slept the best I've slept in years because I didn't have my phone with me and I wasn't lying in bed just scrolling through Instagram, Twitter, emails, Facebook, all that stuff. So, And I decided that I'm going to basically get rid of my phone you know, from that Hobart trip. And you know what? I haven't completely got rid of it, but I have not looked at it so much. And and you know what? When you are not addicted to your phone, it doesn't run out of power. You know what I mean? So I imagine for me, it'd be like if you were, if you dabbled in heroin but weren't addicted to it, you know, you could really probably make your bag of heroin last a long time. Right. Essentially, know? if you've got some spare heroin <laughs> around the house, you're probably not addicted. Yes. Like if you can, yes. keep, if you can keep the heroin in the cupboard. <laughs> if the you, heroin's if been you can in have the some heroin and go, you know what? Let's just keep this other heroin for later. Heroin doesn't go yeah, off, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah if there's been heroin in your house for longer than probably a month, yeah. you're probably, you're probably not addicted. Fine. You're probably fine. <laughs> Not that I've ever had heroin and I probably shouldn't joke about it like that, but yes, probably some people do do that. Right. I have no idea. Well, there's functional. I mean, Paul yes. Kelly's a good example of someone who has spoken about the fact that 
he had a reasonable uh, heroin habit for a very long time and was very functional with yeah. having a yeah. reasonable heroin habit. So never ended up in jail for having stolen. Never stole anything. Yeah. Kept writing good songs. Kept going on tour. Didn't oh. fuck up and you know yeah, pass out on stage during the John Bradman song. Yeah, you know? well, there you go. Um, so yes, back to where I was at. So yes, so the phone. But you know what? We're missing so much alive. I mean, I'm starting to preach now, Will, and I shouldn't preach on your podcast, but we are missing so much of life by, if you don't have your phone with you and you walk around, you just see everyone staring at their phones. It's crazy. It's madness. We've become it really quickly, haven't we? Really quick. I mean, and it adds to the level of our public association with each other. Yes. Like, you know, you see people down the street who will happily stand in front of you because they're checking a message on their phone. So then you're a little bit more pissed off that you almost ran into somebody on the street. Yes. Or you did run into them because you were also on your I phone. I know, I know. Like traffic, that's a big one. Like you see people just walking across like a walkway on their phone yeah. and the fucker in the car nearly hits them because they're also on their phone. Matt, I, I honestly, I've spent so much time on my phone in the car, which is like, I would never, I don't drink at all, but... Even when I did, I wouldn't drink drive. But, but you know, over many years now, I'm, I'm so often looking at my phone while I'm driving. It's just, I mean, just, you just to, if you actually ran someone over while you were doing that, you go to jail, and rightly so. Right. But you're risking that on a daily basis now. Like, almost everyone is. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, it's absolutely... I, I saw in LA, and where they have not been as strict about yes. your phone in your car yet, and yeah. drinking and driving and stuff as much either. Although they're a bit... All or nothing over there. It's 0.08, uh, and they don't have RBTs in the way that we do. They do the test, don't they? Just yeah, the, the yeah, sobriety the test. test. Yeah, but yeah. if you get busted, you lose your license like for a very long time. Yeah, and right. It's like a ten thousand dollar fine. So it's yeah, like right. one of those things of going, you know, up to a point we're going to let you go away with it. But if you you know, step over the line, you are going to get smashed by. Yeah, this. right. Yeah. Um, the phone thing. I was walking down the street and uh, there was this guy on his phone, and the cops, you know, pulled him over because he was on his phone. And he was so like engaged in what he was doing on his phone. He pulled over to the side of the road, kept on his phone, and just tried to wave the cops by <laughs> as if they were after somebody else. So I was like, no, 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 mate. If you get off it's your phone you. for a second, yeah. they're going to realise yeah. it's Absolutely. you. Yeah. It's you they're yeah. after. <laughs> You're the criminal. Oh, yeah. So, look, so, yes, I'm trying to give up my phone. And I'm enge- I am engaging more in life. But having said that, a few weeks ago, I filmed an episode of Hughes, we got a problem, and I put my phone number on the screen. So, and my actual phone number, Why? the one that you've got, um, because I, my point was everyone's got my number. I've, I've had the same number for 20 years. I don't care. Who's, I literally don't care who has my number. I give it out all the time. Um, and Do every, you not answer it if it's a number you don't recognize? Is that your... Oh, no, no, I'll still answer it. Absolutely. <laughs> but people don't ring that often. They really don't. I mean, they just... So, yeah, I've, I rarely get prank calls. I really do. So... So I put it. To, so the studio audience had my actual phone number, and and they rang me. You know, it'll be on. It's on. You know, on it would be on. It will have been on. It'll be on People can go time. back to ten play or Absolutely, whatever and yes. check it out. The one with Charlie Pickering and uh, Josh Thomas, their first appearances on the show. So um, yeah. So I answered it, but then I thought I wanted to keep that for the actual broadcast of the TV, so that that number would go out to Australia. But my management, we've got the same management, they didn't want that to happen. So. 
Um, so we've changed. So the- hang on, your management, I mean, look at them, the, <laughs> the fun police, didn't want you, popular entertainer Dave Hughes, to give out your actual phone number on national television? Yes, that's they right. They thought that was problematic. Too much, they This thought. is the management company who won't give it to a journalist who's interviewing <laughs> exactly. you for, for an interview. <laughs> they also had a problem with you giving it out on tally. Exactly. So, but having said that, they did send me photos the other day. You know, the, I send you photos and I'll put them out on social media. And one of the photos they sent me, they obviously haven't checked, is me next to the, the, the screen on the TV show with my actual phone number on it. Oh. So they've sent that to me. So I could just put that on my Instagram and go, guys, well, that's the photo you sent me here to publicize the show. So, but I think for tonight. <laughs> I'm going to prove a point to you guys <laughs> by putting my phone number out there. So I think, though, that to know, I think they've changed the phone number. They've given me another phone number and the management, our management, they've given me a new SIM card to, um, to answer tonight when it goes to where so I can answer the phone with this new number in it. But when I set up the SIM card with my, I used my iCloud. So okay, now sure. all the photo, all the number, all the, because I, on the radio this morning, I gave that number out and we've got a lot of calls, but all those calls are still going to my actual phone. So I've got about 400 text messages, maybe actually 1,500, which have come through to my actual phone now from just people around Australia from the radio. And that's going to continue tonight. So that's mm. a, Yeah, so that's interesting. Have you had a flick through the messages? Yeah, to most see of them what are positive. Say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, it's, you, can, you can have a look at them now if you like. Um, yeah, so there's a stack of messages there. There's 1,882 text messages. Jesus. Right, so, yeah. You can have a look if you like. Have a look. This is, this is just from, that's from the radio today on the Hit Network. So, yeah, we do a show on uh, 4.30 around the nation, Husey and Kate. So, their messages, I went on all the radio shows this morning, all the Hit Network shows. <laughs> the first one I've clicked is like literally a meme joke about uh, Wayne Carey, the footballer. Yeah, right. Did you see this? No, I haven't it says, seen it, no. What's the difference between Wayne Carey and Skippy the bush kangaroo? Skippy can root his mate's missus and still be a kangaroo. <laughs> I mean, not... <laughs> Not the most topical of all material to be sending through. I would have have preferred a a, a Steve Smith, Dave Warner one, but um, yeah, that's funny. Uh, funny. uh, Hey, Husey, uh, can you give me some advice for bodybuilding? Uh, Also, my wife and I have found out we're having a baby. Can you please send me a video of you congratulating her? Has he got a name there? No, there's no name of that person. No, didn't leave it. Yeah. So, Um, I mean, there's there's 1,800 messages like that. A lot of attachment images. Free tickets. A lot of free tickets. A lot of free tickets. Yeah, fair enough. So, anyway, so I don't mind, basically. Yeah. Uh, So, the idea of this podcast, Husey, is that I ask people if they have a philosophy towards anything. Yes. It can be work, love, life, regardless. But you've always struck me as a person who you know, like looks into different ways of thinking. I mean, even this phone thing is about you going, what, what is my life like right now? Yeah. What are the destructive elements of my life right now? Um, and how can I have a better relationship with those destructive elements of my life? Would that be fair to say? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I've, over the years, as you know, I've, uh, you know, people say I'm really, I'm addicted to giving things up. And, you know, I've given up alcohol, marijuana, tobacco, uh, what else have I given up? I've given up adult content, never porn, absolutely completely given up porn, um, uh, which is, you know, um, that can be addictive as well. Uh, so yeah, I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to try to, you know, just, um, keep my life, trying to keep my life more simple. So yeah. It's interesting though, isn't it? Like, because that insight that people have about you it, that you are, uh, like you do, you do get to a point every now and again where you just go, right, I'm giving this up. 
Yeah, yes. I, my my solution is not to you know cut this back yeah. or yeah. have a more healthy relationship mm. with this. My solution is that I am you are dead to me now. Yeah, <laughs> you are dead to me. Phone. You are dead to yeah. me. Alcohol and bongs. You are dead to me. Whatever it is, you yes. know, along the way. What is that? Do you think? Where does that well, come from? I, some things. I think it's it's you know alcohol. For instance, is like I think if someone if you do have a and I don't want to turn into an AA meeting, but if you do have an issue with drinking, you know, I mean, I I know people who are no good on the grog and they say I'm not drinking for a month and I oh good luck to you know and they get through that month and then they continue to where then they were exactly where how they were before so I think with alcohol it's re- it's it's easier not to have the first drink rather than to have to stop after two I think it's yeah that's my opinion of that but not for everyone obviously only for the certain selection of the poli- of the population who I think who would you know I think it's a genetic you know I think it's a genetic thing and well, maybe I'm wrong but yeah so for me that was Easier not to have any drinks. So, yeah, over the years. But um, I'm only having chips once a week now. So I was having hot chips every single day and have for a long time. But I'm only having them on Fridays and only generally one serve. And do you think, because you're, you're very healthy at the moment, you're looking fantastic. Yeah, I've got leaner you, because of that. Yeah, And I've, you think it's the chips? The chips and the chocolate. Yeah. I've actually given up chips and chocolate. You, you drop just those two things out you of your diet. You do love to give something up. <laughs> No, well, you know, we're 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 recording this just before Easter, and I'm I'm, I'm thinking about Easter now. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Because I'm walking around, you know, the radio studio, the radio station. There's just Easter eggs everywhere. everywhere. My children love chocolate. And there's going to be a lot of Easter eggs in our house over Easter, and I'm I'm wondering how I'm going to go with that. So, do I just let myself go to Easter Sunday and smash it on Easter Sunday? So yeah, I mean, I with tries to love. I mean, I love chocolate. I would eat a lot of chocolate every day. And How much do you reckon? Oh well, Easter would start for me probably when you know, pretty much when they just start putting them in the in the supermarkets. In the shops. Yeah, so like what February, maybe after Australia. Jan- Day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I and I don't think I don't think there's anything January twenty seven every year. I don't think there's anything Easter. tastier than an Easter egg right. for chocolate. Yeah, I, I love. I yeah, and 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 a hollow one. I just love. I love that punch when you yeah. punch into it. And you can snap off a little bit of egg, you know. But I could never. I'll always end up eating probably much the whole egg. But I yeah. love Easter egg chocolate. It's the, and I haven't, I haven't it's had, the hunter in your day. I haven't had one Easter egg, and we're almost at Easter Thursday. And here's an example of strength of mind. I did a gig for Lint Chocolate recently. Me and mm. Jimmy Barnes. Jimmy Barnes is a legend, isn't he? He Jimmy Barnes had his band. His wife was there, and you know it's, it's for lint chocolate sellers. It was a group of basically women, you know, in their thirties and forties and fifties. It was like probably a hundred of them, maybe two hundred. And and I did about twenty minutes or fifteen or twenty minutes, and they were a great crowd for me. But Jimmy Barnes smashed it. It was like on, on a Tuesday night in Manly at some pub in Manly or some back room of some function center. He could have been. You know, in front of you know Eddie Had Stadium or something, he just he just hit it as hard as Jimmy Barnes can hit it for these lint chocolate workers, and it was just for me, it was just like yes, just treat every gig and every performance like these are the most the most important one you've got. Yeah, yeah. Well, he is also a good example, Jimmy. Like, and we both uh, were very lucky when we were doing the Glass House that we got to kind of know Jimmy Barnes yes. in a way that you know. Well, I certainly hadn't previously known him in that way as kind of a great guest on our show, but also a great friend to our show. Like, yes. there were a couple of times where we had guests pull out at the last moment, and our fill-in was 
Jimmy Barnes, who was just happy to take the call on the day and go, yeah, I'll come in. No he's worries. a real giver, Jimmy. Absolutely. And he's, yeah, he makes the most of, of his life, you know. So, and But yeah. he's a good example, this is what I was going to say, of a man who, uh, you know, we live in very different times and I think for a whole bunch of very good reasons uh, about our appreciation of how, you know, women have been treated, you know, across a broad section of society, yeah, including yeah. our own industry, you know. Yeah. And things that were expected and understood as just being the way things were are now being looked back on and going well through what we know today you know those same behaviors wouldn't be acceptable yeah, yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. he's such a good example of a guy who you know if you've read his books or if you've had a look at it listen to him talk about his past and the sort of you know you imagine they were the biggest rock band in yeah, australia yeah, and they were a the, wild yeah 70s rock 80s band. yeah yeah and yeah. the way that he's sort of you know looked back on you know aspects of his life and used them to become a better and more interesting person i think is one of those things that is probably an underrated aspect of who he is as a person like, absolutely you know, he could have been one of those guys who's going no nah, i apologize for nothing and that's the way things were and but he isn't like that he's like well that's the way things were but i see through my modern eyes that you know that that wouldn't be the way things i would do things now yeah and also you know having the ability to learn and never stop learning so I never stop, yeah. And it's, I, I can't remember, someone said that. Some very, very successful person said um, about their secret of their success is they never stopped learning. They never, you know, every day they took as an opportunity to learn. So yeah, I think someone, it might have been, I think Warren Buffett, Buffett's, um, co, uh, you know, the, the investment guru. Yeah, I know who and Warren I Buffett think is. it might have been Charlie Munger, who's his right-hand man, who's also riches, richer than God. So yeah, and he said it. And these guys are in, the, I think this Charlie... Munger's in his, you know, he's heading towards 90. And still every day is a chance to learn, you know, with the, you know, he's probably got, who knows how many billion dollars in the bank or whatever, but it's still every day is a chance to learn. So, so it's interesting. I think our job is like a job that you choose or maybe, maybe you don't know it at the time, but one of the aspects about the job that remains interesting about it is that you learn something new about it every time you do a gig or a show. Absolutely. Like you can't do it. You can do it for as long as we've done it, like, you know, 20 yeah. plus years. Yeah, yeah. And you still know that coming into the Melbourne Comedy Festival, that every single night we will probably learn something about our job that we didn't know the night before. Yeah, you can always, always improve. And, you know, and the best compliment, I think, is when someone says, I've seen you many times and that's the best I've ever seen you. And so, you know, which is great. And whether they're just saying it to suck up to you or not, it's a beautiful Regardless thing. Regardless of that, it's great. Yes, if absolutely. If you on his number. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. you a lot and that's the best I've ever seen you. I've se- or another one is I never laugh at comedians and I laugh at you, you know, which is, which is it's more a selfish thing for, for me to hear. But, <laughs> but I've seen you a lot. Always Could you please you. list which comedians <laughs> you haven't laughed at for my enjoyment? Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, always, always, uh, yeah. I mean, hopefully that means you, you continue to learn, you know. I don't know if uh, we've spoken about this, you know, in the various times we've talked over the years, but I had one guy come up to me once and he said, you know, I love you. I think you're a great comedian. Uh, you're my second favourite comedian <laughs> in the world. And it's one of those ones where you're like, I could just, I could just walk away with that. Yeah, Second in the world. Yeah, you had to ask. But yeah. you have to ask. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, Rodney Rude, then you. <laughs> and I was like, well, that is a broad range yeah, of comedic yeah, stylings. You know what? I do love Rodney Rude, though, I must oh, say. Oh, yeah, me too. I love Rodney. Rodney Rude's the first comedian I've ever, I ever saw live. And uh, you know what's funny is I was remember it was at a pub in my hometown of Warrnambool in southwest Victoria. 
and it was called the Lady Bay Hotel, where as an 18-year-old or 17-year-old, I used to go there and get smashed every weekend, you know, and often get beaten up um, just because I wasn't, wasn't violent, but I was, you know, a smart-ass and a smart-ass who couldn't fight. So, um, yeah, so I'd get punched reasonably often. But um, I saw Rodney Roode there, and I was, I was, I was, so, I was in right in the back, and he was no way he probably would have seen me, but I was so desperate to go to the toilet. But I, my fear was if I stand up here, Rodney Roode is going to see me from the from the stage and he's going to mock me and it'll be the most mortifying moment of my life so i just can't stand up i can't possibly go to the toilet i almost died that night with bladder problems you know but you know to think that now i'm on the one on stage and other people are having that sort of issues in my audience and does, did it teach you anything if somebody gets up to go to the toilet <laughs> do you let them go to the toilet in peace or do you comment you on know that what it's like you, you you think about it don't you <laughs> like if you're halfway through a story you're like you could have waited a little puns on, but yeah, it's funny. Oh, what's most annoying? I'm oh, not most. What, an annoying thing is when when someone goes to the toilet and you don't comment, and then everyone thinks, "Oh, it's okay oh, to go okay. to the toilet." No, nah, you've got. It's like a school teacher <laughs> on the first day. You've got to you've got to kill one to educate the rest. You know, what? I've never actually. There we go. We're both twenty years into our or more into our um, you know, into our careers, and I've never thought about that. I've never thought about the fact that I've got to. Nail that first yeah. person who goes to the toilet. Always, you got to kill the first one who gets up, or everybody thinks they can get up. That's gonna. That's. I've just changed my. You've got to scare them. I've into just their changed states. my act now. You know. Yeah. So I'm gonna next. I'm not on tonight, but when the comedy festival starts for me Thursday night, first person to go to the toilet, I'm going to slaughter. I had um, in my show. Uh, I have a, a false ending. It's not yeah. really a false ending, but at about fifty-five minutes, the sort of first part of the story finishes. Yeah, and I guess you could feel like that was the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. And so in Adelaide one night, as I'm doing my thank yous, some people yeah got up to. Sorry, I've okay. got to turn this phone off. I'd like this it. is all the randoms, but. Yeah. I won't answer it. I, yeah. I like that we started yeah. with the idea that you're trying to give up your phone <laughs> and you've taken like five different calls in the first I've 15 minutes. Him. I don't have to turn the phone off. <laughs> I should, no, I can turn that off. Slide to answer, slide to take off. So yeah, so hang on. So the false ending in Adelaide. So the false ending. So yeah. some people start getting up to yeah. leave because, you know, not in a bad way, just in a... Yeah, I yeah, mean, comedians don't... End. We don't... I don't do encores. I imagine no. you don't do encores. It's like, yeah. So, and they would know that. If yeah. Been so they're just like, oh, well, yeah. that, that's the end. That's yeah. like, it's the end of the one story I'm telling Absolutely, you about yeah. being arrested. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, oh, great. That's the end. And I'm like, oh, no, no, there's still 10 minutes. Like, there's a whole <laughs> other bit. And I've set up a lot of stuff in the first 55 right, minutes. Right, which is going to get paid it's off in that really last 10 minutes. really going to get paid off. <laughs> just stick around. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you're such a good storyteller. I thought it was over. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's funny. Yeah. Um, all right, do you have a philosophy? Is there a certain philosophy Someone, that you subscribe to? You know, we had an ethics person come into the radio station a couple of weeks ago because, I don't know, I think I'm on the Hit Network now when they've had issues in the past. And uh, anyway, they've got an ethics thing. So an ethics guy comes in and he, and he I've never really been asked about this before. He said, well, what's your, what's your, why do you do it? And, you know, do you, I don't know if he said, do you think you have a higher calling or whatever, but made me think about it and I actually do I reckon which is to make people my purpose is to make people laugh at their own lives Mm. to be able to you know as much as I can as honestly as I can make fun of my own life and hopefully that helps people laugh at their own at their situations to make them realize that we're all everyone's human and we're all pretty much the same in our bullshit and you know and you know if if Husey can laugh at, at his 
not that I have many problems, but laugh at whatever, you know, as it is affecting his ego or, you know, whatever that, you know, I can as well. So, yeah. So it's, and that's from right from the start when I first started stamp comedy, when I was on the dole, you know, and didn't have a girlfriend and, you know, I was getting sacked from, you know, dodgy jobs, which, you know, if you get sacked, if you get sacked as a dishwasher and you've tried really hard to wash those dishes well, you're in a pretty low position in your life, you know, and to be able to laugh at that, you know, for an example. So, yeah. Does so, it ever, um, I think, yeah, and this is probably, I think the audiences probably get it, even if they don't intellectually get it. Um, sometimes I think that perhaps critics can, you know, go, oh, he's talking about his kids or he's talking about, you know, yeah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's just talking yeah, about, yeah, you know, yeah, all yeah. this. Whereas, like, social satire to me is as equal and as important yeah. to, like, you know, political satire, yeah, yeah, let's absolutely. call it, or news satire. Because, like, if you are a parent, you know, raising kids, you know, which is the toughest thing in the entire fucking world to do. If somebody's giving you some relief for that or some perspective on that yeah. or going, hey, this is, you know how the other night you cried in the middle of the night because you were just like, I can't do this and I fuck it up all yeah, the time yeah, yeah, and yeah. I make these mistakes. Yeah. And then there's somebody out there who's going, no, 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 look, look at all these mistakes that I've made or look at all these yeah, things that absolutely. are going on. That, that plays a great important role that is beyond, you know, th this idea of he's talking about his kids. Yeah, right? absolutely. Do, so you, do you think that that is, do, do you think that there is a critical kind of gap there between what people judge you're doing and yeah. what you're actually doing? Uh, only for some, I think there can be, I mean, I, you know, obviously any, everyone's got their own opinion, but I think some, you know, comedy critics can not get that. And, you know, I mean, that says more about them than it does you know, me, I mean, I, you know, I know exactly what I'm doing, which is, you know, and when the, the great compliment is someone saying, that's my life. You're talking about my life, you know, and that's, but as I said, that, because that is all our lives. Well, like, you know, that's reminds the human me of the time experience. I bought a house on the block. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, that's another thing, which is, um, yeah, I know that's funny as well. I and mean, I do talk about that and I'm not, I'm not afraid to talk about, you know, people say, oh, you've got to be relatable. But no, I think you've got to be honest. I, 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 what I want to see from comedians or anyone is honesty. So, yeah. So, and when I first started, I was on the dole and I used to talk about being on the dole and I'd have people come up to me and say, mate, I'm on the dole as well. That made me laugh, you know. And, I, and that was, for me, that was um, nice that, you know, as I said, you can, people are laughing at their, you can laugh at your situation. Why can't they laugh at theirs? And, and that is, and I still do that. But, you know, having bought a, a house on the block is probably a bit different. But, um, yeah. Well, I would say, though, like, I mean, and again, I'm not saying anything to you that I haven't sort of said to other people. Yeah, but yeah. I want to say it to the audience who are listening to the show. I think that the greatest thing, perhaps, that you have done comedically, you know, from just from me being a comedian yeah, yeah. and seeing how you've done it and you is that transition from being a guy who was famous for being on the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like that was your first stuff that really connected with yeah, people. Yeah. To transitioning to... I still hide from people a certain aspect of the success of yeah, my life. Yeah, yeah. Because... And people don't think about it. They don't, they don't look... People don't necessarily look, you know, the fact that, you know, you're at a Will Anderson show and, you know, there's 1,500 people around you and he's on for a month in yeah. the same theatre... My God, he must be doing well. They don't think about that. No. But nor should they. And, and, and you're not there to flash your, you know, to brag at your success. Yeah. But enough. you've made a, a, like a, done something that I can't do, which is found a way to be able to talk about those things. And I've always felt that the audience 
there are rare people and they come along every now and again. But it's like it's like the Paul Hogan thing with the tax department. Yeah, right. Like yeah. if Paul Hogan was like Google or like, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, people like, would be really anti We're not gonna yeah, yeah, we're yeah, not okay. gonna let Steve Smith play cricket for a year because like he let a guy, you know, sandpaper yeah, a ball for a second. God, but like, funny. you know, Paul yeah. Hogan, you know, yeah, can, can not pay his taxes and we're all like Hi, he's a character, isn't he? <laughs> right. Yeah, that only wasted anyone. So, yeah, that's it's funny. a victory for everyone, yeah, right? Exactly. And I do think that there is an aspect <laughs> of your success that I think people believe yeah. is... Aspirational. When you buy a house on the block, yeah, yeah. they feel like, good on you, Z. Yeah, I do. I often do follow that when I talk about it. it was Well, you know, I was on the dole for seven years, yeah. so, you know, I know struggle, so, and, and I was, and it was embarrassing, but, you know, I made fun of that. Yeah. And now I make fun of buying a house on the block. So, <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you are in life, life will. And that's what you know, one of my philosophies is: people go, "You're going to run it. Well, you run out of material." And what I say is, life will always be funny, no matter where I am in life. It will be funny, and there'll be humour around me, and you know, no matter what, you know. So whether I'm in prison or you know. Uh, hopefully I never go to prison But touch wood But um, yes Mate, I, I, never, th- I never thought I was going to get arrested But <laughs> exactly. how things change so quickly <laughs> Exactly That's exactly It's the same thing You've You know At the time I'm sure it was stressful When you were in Was it Albury? Was it where were you? No it was uh, Wagga. Wagga, Wagga. Wagga Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, That was funny actually When I when I saw that message No I saw I think I saw you Did I see it trending on I can't remember how I saw it But it was a lot of talk I, I A number one trending topic on uh, Twitter And yeah, so right. as my friends have said to me since Because I didn't see any of this of course Because I yes, was yes. at the police station yeah, yeah. yeah, And they had my phone And so all this sort of stuff The news and the Twitter yeah. And all this stuff happened without me And yeah, I haven't right. gone back yeah. Like I just was yeah. like That's for other people yeah. I have my version of yeah, what sure. happened And whatever And so um, Number one Twitter topic And as Justin said to me He goes Look to be honest, if you're number one and it's not because you're dead, that's a good day. Absolutely. I've right? never, my name has never, you know, you'd like to think, as you have, you've done a lot of brilli- brilliant performances. Hopefully. You know, you've, <laughs> over many years, we used to do The Glass House. The Gruen is one of the biggest successes Australian television's ever had, The Gruen. There's no doubt about that. But And it continues to be. But, you know, you never trend for that, do you? No. The only, the only time I've ever, I swear to God, you know, and I've opened the Logies, done well, you know, like, you know, whatever. The only time I've ever trended as on Twitter, my actual name, is when I did a stand-up spot on the footy show, the AFL footy show, and it didn't go well. And it was like my Craig McLaughlin on, you know, bloody NRL footy show moment. And it was like, for whatever reason, I'd done the gala the night before, the Comedy Festival gala, yep. smashed it at the Palais, 3,000 people eating out of the palm of my hand. So the next night I'm on the footy show doing a stand-up spot and I thought, you know, I'm just, I'm the king of the world. And it just did not go well. And uh, when you're dying on the footy show, you're like, oh, that's a tough one. And then like trending on Twitter and like, oh God, people are mean. People related to football are mean. They're so mean. So mean. I made the mistake uh, over the weekend of suggesting, and I wasn't actually even having a go. This is like how mean football people can be, just as an example. (laughs) I said of the Steve Smith thing, I said it feels like a bit of a James Hurd moment. I said if he falls on his sword now and he takes full responsibility... He'll be back playing in a year. He'll be yeah. welcome yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, But if you try to deny it yeah, and yeah, drag yeah. it out, then you yeah. do more. Yeah. Still, so it turns out there's still some people who are pretty sore about that Essendon thing. Oh, yeah. And they come at you. Like, I didn't even look. But you know when you don't oh, even look don't, and you're still aware of it? You know but also, that a lot of those more. people might have been defending James Hurd. Seriously, yeah. on that ill-fated 
stand-up spot on this on the comedy on the uh, footy show, I did a James Heard joke. Yeah, and the ones that come hardest are the team, the supporters of that team. So whether it's him or anyone else, he, he's in Essendon. Their supporters, they were the ones who would have come hardest at oh, me. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like you, fuck you. You know, and it's like yeah, so you're unfunny or whatever. So yes, very delicate to talk to jokes about football teams. Yes, whether they're NRL or <laughs> AFL or whoever they are. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of guys with cars in their avatar ah. suddenly have some firm opinions about I, your work. I, I was, oh God, I, at one point I thought I'm going to hit back at, at guys who nail me for the so footy. I've never had any, it's the most like negativity I've ever had is being on the footy show. It's like yeah, one guy, I, so I, I just go, I'm going to, I'm going to go back at people, you know, and I'm, I'm going to bloody, att- I'm going to went back at someone who had a go at me and then I, then I clicked on their actual photo and they had a machine gun. So they're holding a machine gun. So. And then I, I think I said, that's not a real machine gun. And the guy goes, yes, it is. <laughs> it's like, well, fair enough then, mate. Couldn't agree with you more. I really was you're terrible. Wel- you're welcome to your opinion. <laughs> um, how do you go with feedback on things as a general rule? What, what is the... Because we live in a world now where you could be getting feedback on what you do Every single yeah. moment. Like, you know, you can send a tweet, then you can sit there and see what people's responses Absolutely. are to the tweet. And Instagram, you're on the radio every day. There are people who can call. You've given out your phone number on national TV. Yeah, There's yeah. people who can message you. Um, what is your relationship with feedback and how you then, you know, use it, how it informs yeah. you as a human being? Look, it, it's a lot better than it used to be. And that's through the, uh, I think, the, the weight of numbers of, you know, the internet has opened it up to everyone having an opinion. So... You become thicker skinned, no doubt about it. We, back in the days when the Glass House started, you know, on the ABC back in 2001, 2002, and the only feedback then really was, uh, you know, you open up The Age or the Herald Sun TV Guide or, you know, Sydney Morning Herald or whatever, and there's like a letter from, you know, you know, uh, you know Barry from Echuca who you know, says Dave Hughes is not funny. And you're like, that's... That, Painful, right? Painful. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, and I, you're angry at him. You're angry at the the editor of the of the newspaper for deciding to put that one in there. You're angry. You know, I remember once doing radio, um, and then halfway through the show, you know, doing a breakfast show on Nova back in the day. Halfway through the show, um, I said, "Where's I know? I didn't even think about whatever." And someone come in to do a comedy spot on our show, and they and and they just they weren't trying to be mean. And that, but they said, oh, gee, that was not very nice what they said in the paper about you. I'm like, what did they say? And then he looked at like, oh, God, I shouldn't have said that. And I said, what have they said? What have they said? And then I realised that they'd taken – my team at, the, at Nova, had, at Husey and Kate, at probably Dave O'Neill was with us back then as well, they had taken the TV guide out of the newspapers. And so they'd obviously read it earlier before I got there and then taken it out. And I'd, I hadn't realised – Oh, this is Wednesday or Thursday, and there's no. T- I hadn't realised there was no TV guy, so I'm like, "Where is it? Don't hide it from me." <laughs> but that's what they used to do. That was show business, you know. You wouldn't get no, shown like, the bad oh, letters. Know. You know, they cut I'm the like, stuff out I of the know, paper. Exactly. So I'm like, "Where is it? I need to see it now." And it was mean. I can't remember what it was, but it was mean, and it did affected my the rest of the show. Like ridiculous. I think that I mean it's interesting with comedy more than anything is that uh, firstly, you know, there's probably rare areas of society where performance is so subjective yes right like even the biggest comedians in the world whoever that oh, God, they might yeah. be yeah. most more you'll find more people who 
find them unfunny. Yeah. And when somebody thinks something isn't funny, it's almost like an insult that other people do find I know, that you get angry. I, mean, I remember watching, I, only recently I saw that, I don't know, I was online for whatever reason, I saw, a, I don't know, a tweet from some stranger saying, Jerry Seinfeld has never been funny, <laughs> will never be funny. And I thought, well, that's it. I'm just relaxing from now yeah. on. If that guy who has, you know, is world famous and has, you know, more money than... You the know, most famous, rich co- and successful comedian. Yeah. and But also made a TV show that you can still sit down. Like, and laugh. And laugh at now. Yeah, absolutely. That He's guy. never, been, never funny. been funny. Someone has taken time out of their day to write that on the internet. <laughs> I just need to relax about negativity that comes my way. So, yeah. Mm. Um. In general, then, how do you receive feedback? So, like, you know, if, for example, you say, you know, I'm not going to take the feedback of, uh, you know, random strangers on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, you're a human being and you want to be better at what you do. Yeah. Is it just internal? Do you, like, have your own standards that you set and sort of aspire to? Or are there, like, external sort of ways that you, you know, yeah. improve what it is that you do and get well, feedback? Well, I definitely want to be the funniest I can be, no doubt. But it's it's tricky taking it from other comedians because you take it on board, you know, and it can make you paranoid. But if someone, if another comedian says, I really like that bit, whatever it is, that it will become my favourite bit, right. you know, and then I will hit that bit next time I do stand-up with so much confidence, it will become even funnier because someone said, you know, I remember Lee Mack, the English comedian, many years ago, we were doing the same, he's a very funny guy, but we are doing the same, he does Would I Lie to You in, in England, anyway, yep. Lee Mack, he, we were doing a, 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 the same venue at the Melbourne Town Hall and he said one bit, he said, I really like, I can't remember what it is now, but he said, I really like that bit and it, it became my favourite bit and I just hit it with so much confidence after he said that. So, yeah. But um, but if someone, people are, someone the other day said, sent me a message saying, yeah, I really like you. I was doing a gig in Hobart at the Spiegel tent. Show was really funny. They said, but why do you swear so much? And I, I've been, I've got angry at that comment before, but I actually thought, you know what? Why? I probably did. When I'm tired, I swear too much. You know what it's like? You just swear and every second word is when you put fuck together twice, fuck, fuck. Yeah, why, why am I saying that? And so, yeah, yeah, saying fuck on stage should really be, a, and I'm all for saying it, but it should be a, it should be an integral part of a story, really, I think. I agree with you. And, and I, look, I say it too much. Having People saying, well, that's ridiculous you saying that, but I agree that often I do say it too much. No, I agree that I say it too much now as well. That's a good example of one of those things that I'm exactly the same as you. Yeah. Like I've had feedback over the years from people going, you swear too much. And my immediate reaction was like, fuck you. Yeah. I'll do what I like. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, like, absolutely. You know, th- that's the way I express my art. But yeah. certainly as I've got older, I, I think it probably is less dignified to be swearing as much <laughs> as I was swearing when I was young. But B, I've, it really is that sort of thing of going, no, a lot of the time it was uh, you know, me being underprepared or nervous or yeah, tired. Tired. Or, I think it's a tiredness <laughs> thing. Or if you're a bit stressed, you'll swear yeah. more than you should. And I, on stage, I do, so I do sometimes go, hang on, just calm down with the fucks, all right? Is this, you're about to say fuck, is it necessary? You know, put it where, you, put it, where it is necessary, it's going to have more impact. So, yeah. Right. So that's one bit of feedback I'll definitely take on board now than I used to. I had uh, t- Tom Ballard has a new show on the ABC yeah. called Tonightly. Yeah. And they've been getting in a little bit of trouble about the language that they've been using on yeah, that I show. Yeah, I saw one story about calling uh, a politician a... Yeah, the, the C word. Yeah. I mean, we can say it, but we don't need to. Everyone <laughs> knows what we're talking about, right? <laughs> um, and uh, it was interesting because the, the, a, a journalist rang me and, you know, I, I thought my op- 
my responsibility at that point was to defend him. Yeah, fly yeah, the flag. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, to yeah, fly the flag enough. for him. Yeah, and as I said, you know, to the journalists, I said, I think that most of the people who are criticizing it have a problem with the A B in front of the C rather yeah, than right. the U N T after the no C. Like it. You know? Yeah. And so but the truth of it is that we had spoken after he'd been doing two weeks of the show and he said, Do you have any feedback? And I said, You should swear less. <laughs> Because I'd been watching it and I thought he was swearing too much. Yeah, now, they didn't look, stop it, yeah. but, well, but I can understand from an audience's yeah, point of look, view, I mean, I, look, it was I do, getting in the way. Doing a TV show, which I've been doing, at usually we have a problem, 8.30 Tuesday nights, repeats Fridays at some time. Um, 10 anyway. Play, watch it online at 10 Play, right? 10 surely? Play, absolutely, at 10 Play. Probably and watch the whole series if you haven't seen any of it yet. Absolutely, you could, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, as the host of the show, I'm not swearing at all, really. I think I swore once on the taping the other day, but generally I'm not swearing at all. And um, But if every now and again a guest comes on and starts swearing and just doesn't stop, you know. Like even my co-host, Kate Langbrook, the other day, she was on, who I love having her on the show, but I, I, said, I said to say, Kate, can you just... And I said it on whether it makes the cut or not, probably won't, but I said, can you just... Less swearing, you know. Like she was just starting to really wind up with the fucks. And I'm like... You know, and again, well, the other thing is on a paddle show is like, and look, I, again, this is like the difference between hosting something and being a guest on something. What you don't realize when you're a host, what you realize is if one person goes for it, then all the others are like, it's like at the gala. I know. It's like when they tell you you can't swear at the gala, and then if someone goes out early and says fuck, everyone out backstage is like, oh, can we say yeah, fuck? Yeah, I know. I got told Absolutely. we can say fuck. I'm saying fuck. Yeah, yeah. I've been galas where I've said. fuck. Yeah, the exact same experience. Or oh, he said fuck. Well, probably even you. <laughs> Will said fuck. I'm yeah. going to say fuck. And then afterwards, I didn't really need to say fuck, but I did it anyway. <laughs> I don't think Will did either. I think we both said so, a lot yeah. of unnecessary fucks. So I was, yeah, I did say to her, like, yeah, just calm down with the fucks, you know? So, <laughs> but um, yeah. And again, I think it's sometimes you get stressed, so you start swearing more than you normally would. So, mm. what's your relation? I mean, I, we can talk about a million things, yeah, but. Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk to you about comedy, really, because yeah. like I'm going to put this up. Uh, this will be probably just the second episode of this new season right, that people yeah. hear. So uh, the Sam Lane, when we're recording this, the Sam Lane episode will go out uh, yeah. tomorrow, and uh, right. then I'll put this one out so that it's you know up for the comedy festival. Yeah, great. And so I, I, I want to start by kind of just talking to you about what's your relationship with stand up like at the moment. Like, do you look forward to the festival? Do yeah, you... I look forward to stand up. Whether it's the festival, I, honestly, I look forward to turning up to a venue and walking on stage for free, which I do much more now than I used to do. Much more, actually. I'm much more prepared now to put myself in. I, I had a time where I'm like, oh no, I'm not getting. I'm not. You don't want to see me buy a ticket to my theatre show. You know all that sort of stuff. Or or this venue doesn't look very good, I'll get up there and I won't look great. And then people will think I'm not great because I did a venue that wasn't right, you know, so that sort of thing, you know. So I was less, like, I'd go to America and I'd be at a comedy club in America and I'm like, oh, I'm not getting up there. What if no one laughs? And um, then I'll feel bad about myself for the rest of my life, you know. But now, <laughs> now if I'm in, not that I'm in America very often, but I am in America, I'm like, where can I get up, you know. Not that I go there very often, but I want to go more. But I know that you spend a lot of time in America, but I'm more of an attitude of get on that stage and experience it, you know, whatever it is. And you've got nothing to lose. And that was the, the thought I had when I had my first good gig is walking on stage, you're already a winner for walking on this stage, you know. So, And I'm, get, I'm more back to that attitude. I love stand-up comedy. I find it interesting from the outside, often people will ask you, like it's, it's almost more amazing to them that you would go from like a, you know, 
a thousand seats at yeah, the Athenaeum yeah. to doing a gig in front of 50 people in, you know, the back of some pub or, yeah, you know, yeah. above some laundrette or whatever it is, right? But I've done a few this week because I'm running, you know, just trying to fine-tune some stuff for my show and I've dropped into just local, yeah. you know, little shows yeah. and they've all been fun in their I own different it. ways oh, and I've definitely. certainly learnt something from yes. each of them that I wouldn't oh, have learnt from... Mate, if I didn't have a family, I would be on stage every night. If I, but you've got to maintain a relationship as well. So if I'm, you know, you know, in Brisbane for five nights and I get home for the sixth night and, you know, I've got to choose between hanging out with my beautiful wife or going to a stand-up room. I mean, if there was one around the corner, I could just sit in there for just like 20 minutes. And there is one. There's a cafe around... It's in uh, in St Kilda in Melbourne in Blessington Street. There's a little cafe. Literally, half the gig is outside. So because it's so small, it's like a it's like literally two meters wide. This cafe, and so it's and but it's literally around the corner from my house, and it's on a Tuesday night. You know what they need? Mm. They need one at the airport. Yes. So imagine if they had a room at the airport. Great idea. You're like, I've got a like two hour layover before blah blah blah. You send the message around. You know, if you're at the airport and you want something to do. Pop-up comedy clubs happening now. Dave Hughes is down there. He's yeah, got half an hour before his flight. He's going to do a that's set. That's a really, that's a great. I'm, I'm not joking. That's a great idea. That should happen. Well, we should, we should investigate. Okay, that. we'll cut this out of the podcast, and that'll be a billion-dollar idea. <laughs> I mean, there's comedians going through airports all the time, right? Often, you'd have more than one well, there at the same put, time. You just have to, and the, the, or you it, just organise it so audience. that right a captive audience and everyone's listening out for yep. their plane being called i mean so halfway during your setup during your punchline you'll probably have to hear well you'd have to have the i think you have a soundproof room of some kind but you have the board behind you so that yes. people can see their board flights being you. called yeah i'm trying to think how yep. we can keep people from not missing their flights exactly board yes. behind you board behind you you're not going to miss your flight it will be up there yep. but also out of the soundproof room apart from calling people to their flights right through the airport you know Dave Hughes is performing right in in five minutes at this spot, and so people are listening out for their flights being called, so they're attuned. It's perfect advertising. Yeah. Board up behind them and say that your board, your flight will be on the board behind him. You won't miss your flight. That's a great idea, man. I mean, I have a show that's really perfect for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I'm, I'm just going to have a pause for a bathroom yeah. break, yeah, which no I always have to do when we record at this no, time of the day because yeah. I've had 19 coffee. Yeah, 19. What is it, global warming? Gonna blame global warming, are we? People, I don't give a shit about global warming. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I just don't care. People say, what about your kids? I say, you know how much money I've spent on swimming lessons? <laughs> and those bastards be grateful one day. <laughs> I don't mind sh- uh, surfers getting bitten by sharks either, because I grew up on the beach down in bloody uh, southwest Victoria, the shipwrecked coast. You gnarly surf down there. And the surfers, they got respected by the chicks, yeah? All the chicks wanted to go with surfers. I was a snorkeler. <laughs> Snorkels end up with very little attention off the ladies. I believe it's because the surfers do all their work on the surface where they're showing off, where the snorkelers do all their work underneath, yeah? Do a lot of good work down there. It goes unnoticed. But ladies have a think about it. Yeah. Who do you want to go out with? A surfer who quits early and he's pulling bongs in his combi van. Or a snorkeler who stays down there till the job's done. <laughs> Thank you, girls. Thank you. Respect the snorkeler. We don't come up till we get a tap on the forehead. <laughs> job done? All right. Let's have a cup of tea.
so we're talking comedy festival. We were just, I mean, uh, just talking about it then as uh, we had a little break. But um, so we both think we did our first four runs in 97. Yes. And uh, I've done it every single year and you've had one year off. I think so. And one, maybe I, two, but definitely one. But yeah, but not a lot. But no. you've had a break at some yes, stage. Yes. You've not done the festival. Yeah, yeah. Now, and this is what we were talking about. Because to me, I, I feel like now that it's like that thing where I'm going, well, I guess I just keep doing it every year until I die. Yeah, yeah. Because I've done it. Like, because yeah. once I break this streak, I'm never going back to getting a streak this long together ever again. You Your know? streak is probably the longest, I reckon. I don't, I don't want to tell you that. I reckon it's probably the longest. See, well, that doesn't help, does it? Because then you're like, well, then why would I break the streak? But how did you find... So firstly, let's just start with how did you find the years that you weren't doing the festival? Oh, I missed it. I must say I missed it. I miss, I, it's, oh, I miss the... More than anything, you miss the attention. You miss being part of it, I think. I almost want to not be in, in Melbourne when it happened, I reckon. I know Dave O'Neill, who's a, a friend of ours, he's... Uh, He's helped me out with the TV show, actually. He's been great. But he... Um, he also has an excellent podcast called The Debrief, which yeah. is really, really good. Yeah, it is, yeah. Your you're... episode uh, with Mooney recently. Was it with... No, it was with... Who was else Brad was Oaks. in the car? Brad, Brad Oaks, Oaks was yes. in the car. That's right. There was a Lima and Mooney one. Yes, yeah. But um, similar sort of vibe. Yes. And uh, really just a really good podcast he's doing, Dave. Yeah, it's after gigs. So you drive, you're literally driving home from some, you know... Two horse town, um, generally, but um, yeah, he's he's gone overseas because the festival's on. He's taking his family for a holiday, but yeah, I think part of it for him is that he's not doing the festival and he's overseas. So, yeah, I mean, I look, I think a like break... a footballer going away in AFL grand final week. Yeah, if you're not playing in the game, it. yeah. it's kind of just rubbing it in yeah. your face. But I don't really, for me, mate. I just it's just the fact I just love stand up comedy and it's it's an opportunity to do it in my hometown. Do you know what I mean for a, for a month? So and it's with a family. You know, it's hard. It's, traveling is tough on them more than me, to be honest. But um, although the kids couldn't care less, to be honest. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So it's an opportunity to do it for that long. But I mean, for you, you easily miss a year, and you know, and you could. But if, I'd, if I was you, I'd want to, in that time, do gigs. You know, do a country tour or something. You know, what? miss the actual Melbourne festival to do a country tour or you know I just love being on stage I, well see what I'm kind of like a I, well there's two things that I'm really fascinated by because I was just saying to you that because the when I got arrested happened like eight nine months ago yeah that's the longest lead time I've had to, to write a joke or yeah write a to routine. think about an yeah, idea yeah, you yeah, know yeah, and yeah. I feel like it's been worth it's, it yeah it's been like I think this yeah. show is going to be the best thing I've done yeah, because yeah. A, because I have a funny story to tell, yeah, yeah. but mostly because that funny story to tell happened to me in June, not in December, yeah. right? Yeah. I've had the time to work it and come up with better jokes and go, why is this here? Does this actually, should this yeah. be here? You know, those sort of things. Mm. And I do wonder if, if I took a year off next year would and just kept work, yeah, worked on my show Mate, for the next year, do you think it would it, be yeah. better? I think it would be, but that's and having never done it myself. So, you know, I'm saying, but... As long as we know, you've got to be on stage to make the jokes work. You, the jokes aren't right. going to work just with you in your lounge room, you know. So you've got to, or maybe they do for you, but for me, it's no. like you've got to be somewhere on stage working them out. So if you could do, if you, if there was a, if there was a tour that I could work out where I only hit venues every two years, but I could work all the time in that meantime between the, you know, for those two years. 
I think that's the ideal, actually, isn't it? And you probably can. But I, I mean, think I think you're right about the idea of on stage, though. That was probably yeah. the bit I forgot the most about this show because I was like, this is like I know what this show is going to be. I've worked it out. Yeah. Here are the beats and the jokes and whatever. I always say to people, come on the first night. I have a very loyal Adelaide crowd who always yeah. come on the first night. It's like one of that show will sell out like immediately yeah, because yeah, yeah. people know it's the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I've really mostly yeah, ever yeah. done the show. Yeah. And I, I, this year in Adelaide, I landed with I thought like the most fully you know formed version yeah, yeah. of what the show would be. Yeah, yeah. It would be unrecognizable to the show I'm doing now yeah, four weeks later. Of course, and that's the thing. That's why you've got to. That's why you've got to keep working. You can't. Yeah, I have two years off or whatever, and then I'll come back. You can't just come back to stage two years later. You've got to be working every bloody pub and club in those times. And then if you then you hit, then if you don't hit Melbourne for two years, but will you have worked that whole two years? Boom, you know. And then people have had that year of missing you. Uh, we might but, have to have well, next year off. Well, yeah, so but, yeah. but this is the other thing. So these yeah. are the thoughts that go through our heads. You go, I'll come up back with a better show. People have had a year of missing me, so I bet my crowds would go up. You yeah. know, I haven't been around for a year. Yeah, yeah. But then there's that other bit that you go, they've forgotten about. I forgot how to do it, and they'll forget who I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had that year off and gave, and gave this other guy or girl the, the space to become the next star, yeah. and they have, and then I'm just done. Oh, so, sorry, yeah. mate, you, you can't yeah, actually no, have the comedy yeah. theatre. You're not getting on the Celia gala. Celia has no. got it. Yeah, <laughs> I won't have you on the gala. No. You're still doing comedy. Oh, I didn't think you were. I thought you'd retire. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. well, okay. So, getting older as a comedian is an interesting thing as well. Because when we started, and I talk about this a fair bit with people, which is that we had the luxury of we've grown up as our industry has grown up. Yeah. There were plenty of great pioneers who went before us, and certainly people who built, you know, amazing careers and stuff before us. But this idea that you might now just go into stand up comedy as a profession yes. you know, that, that might lead to television and writing and radio yeah. and all the opportunities that might come with that and that there's a scene that supports the idea that you could just be a live comedian yeah. was not something that – it was something that has grown and emerged as we've been doing this. Yeah. So the idea that there would be a bunch of us in our mid-40s you know, who've been doing it for 20 years still doing the festival – I, that's not my memory of what the festival was like when we started as kids. Yeah, it was a lot smaller, basically. And the festival circuit around Australia has grown beautifully, really. Um, well, so I mean, a compliment to Australia, the difference is, like, remember when the only big selling acts would be international acts? Absolutely. Whereas now at the festival, it's the other way around. Yeah, the majority yeah. of the tickets will be sold by local yeah. acts. Oh, yeah, there's a lot more tickets being sold yeah, the amount of tickets they sell in Melbourne. They apparently, I just read, I don't know where it in the paper the other day. They sold seven hundred fifty thousand tickets last year in Melbourne for the festival over a month. That's incredible, seven hundred fifty thousand tickets. Wow! I wish I got a better percentage than that. To be honest, but you're going okay. <laughs> did you do your maths? I did my maths. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do the maths. I didn't. I thought about doing the maths and thought, no, nah, I'm not doing. Well, that. then you've got to take the money into it as well. You've got yeah. to go like your tickets are. Yeah, some of those. Some of those are five or ten dollar tickets. Don't worry about it. It's not. You, you really want a percentage of budget. Mate, That's what you really want. I think the greatest one of the greatest <laughs> quotes ever is comparing yourself to others will only make you vain or bitter. That is just the greatest quote. Vain or bitter when you compare yourself to others, it's, and both of those you don't want to be. It's so. it, isn't it interesting though? Like it's that thing of extremes, isn't it? That like you know. That, yeah, it's like feedback, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, the ones who think you're totally shit probably aren't right. 
and the ones who think you're, you yeah, know, you can't yeah. do anything wrong, they're yeah, not right absolutely. either. And it's yeah. a bit the same with that idea of like who's yeah, who's who's bigger and better yeah, and happier yeah, and more yeah. successful and whatever than I am. Mate, you it's an endless and you know. Well, how do you overcome that though? Because that's a very intrinsic part of I think early on in our careers, part of the grit that climbs you up the ladder of it that yeah. keeps you going and whatever is the natural competition you know between what? i mean we talked about elbow on the like when we talked on tofop i remember us talking about when we started at elbow grease you know yeah, jen right. wood's room yeah yeah and there was like you know 10 sort of household names today you know who yeah or open minded yeah, yeah, absolutely and you would definitely be inspired by the fact that you're going well hughes has got five new minutes here next week when i'm on i want to have Five yeah. new minutes. I think that know. that is healthy. It's actually healthy to watch other comedians and then be inspired by their work. That's healthy. That's I don't think that's, and it might be competitive, but that's 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 fine. That because that means yeah, I, I've you know you you got to work hard and that's fine. But it, what's not healthy is comparing your ticket sales to other people's ticket sales and either feeling, you know, superior or inferior. That's just unhealthy. And what you've got to remember, and I really try to do that, is just you're doing it. You're literally, it sounds corny, but you're doing it because you love it. Right. I love making people laugh. I love it more than anything else. It's I my, love this job, so why am I bringing all these other things into it that are going to make me unhappy about just, it yeah, well, that I, don't matter? Part of, that, part of the reason <laughs> to give up the phone is that, you know, but it's also that constant, even, for example, the TV show I'm doing, I'm getting a lot of positive, you know, internet feedback about it, but you realise it's insatiable. Once you start looking for it, you need to keep looking for it and then you think about what about if it's not there? Like it's actually unhealthy to getting all that positive feedback is still unhealthy because you start to need it and it's like a bottomless pit that you can never fill. When you're constantly looking for positive feedback, you can never fill that. You need to just, you really need to throw it away and just, yeah, focus on the fact you love what you're doing. It also sometimes can be, in the same way as, you know, you said that, that joke in your set became your favourite joke because Lee Mack yeah, said yeah. it was your favourite joke. Lee Mack probably has great taste and it probably was a great joke. And that, you know, it was probably good that it became your favourite joke yeah. and you leaned into it. But you don't know that the dude with the machine gun avatar is giving you the best feedback, you know, yeah, exactly. even if it's positive. Even yeah. if machine gun avatar said, you know what, I love that joke about blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, well, that, that's great. We should be doing more of that. Yeah. That might not necessarily be... No, absolutely, absolutely. You really need to, yeah, just, just, I I like what you're doing in your, you know, house at the moment where you don't have a TV or the internet. And it's just, I mean, it looks like. It is going to happen at some stage. Does it? It looks like, you know, you've been robbed, but um, that minimalist. (laughs) But they left the podcast. (laughs) I don't need this hassle. I don't need this money wastage and time wastage hassle. I love it. People can only see this house. It's funny. Um. But there's nothing in it. There's nothing in Will's house. He's very simple, and I like that. I really like that. Well, strip it away. It's been because Amy, you know, when she yeah. comes down, she's a production designer by so she will trade. And she needs a blank canvas. There's no point me yeah, right, going out and buying shit that she will throw away. I've learned over the time mm-hmm. that we have known each other, Dave, that I've bought three separate kettles, none of which she was wow. happy with. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm not buying a kettle until she can buy the, buy the kettle. My wife, when we moved in together, made me get rid of this German uh, leather couch, which was big and black and the most comfortable couch I've ever had in my life. She made it, she said, I don't like the look of it. We've got to get rid of it. And I gave it to my sister and they have, my sister and brother-in-law have still got that couch. This is like 15 years at least later. Oh no, almost 15 years later. And whenever I go to their house and sit on that couch, I would. I just think, why did I let her 
let me get why did i get rid of this couch it's the best couch in the history of the world do you have a home office that's why i have my home office this is where i'm gonna you know if you looked in that cupboard over there you'd see a lot of western bulldog scarves <laughs> <laughs> the stuff the stuff that i'm not allowed in the house no. yeah my, my wife she hates she hates football memorabilia she hates sporting memorabilia she hates sport to be honest um so um yeah i can't remember the question what were we talking about no nah, <laughs> But the idea of growing older in comedy and how yeah. your relationship with... I mean, for me, I stopped... Um, one of the things I started stopped doing during Gruen was reading... I don't read social media at all, like... Uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Good, bad or indifferent. Yeah. But I think it's a necessary part of the process. But what that taught me was that social media can be a place that you can still broadcast something. Like for me, the thing is You can this. broadcast without having to worry about the feedback. Is right. that what you're talking about? So this is, the, this, yeah. this is the difference between when I know I'm being healthy and when I'm not being healthy. Fine to put up a tweet, fine to put up a Facebook message. If I then go back at some stage... And read to all see, the comments. Or just to see, you know... Hemi retweets it's gone yes, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, then it's you. about ego. Yeah, then absolutely. it's not about what you were putting oh, out. Oh god, there. yeah. I mean, I've been fishing on Tuesday nights, fishing for I'm getting getting a lot of compliments, but then fishing for more. And then I mean I have said I'll retweet anyone who says something positive. So I mean that's an incentive <laughs> to say something positive about what I do. I won't deny that. But um but you know, when you're like one o'clock in the morning and looking at your phone, I think Perth's about to watch the show. Oh bloody, you know, try to get some stuff going on there. Perth, show's on, say something nice. It's just too much. Uh, tell me what it's like hosting your own show. Like, I mean, obviously you're a person who's host. I mean, you've had an amazing solo career as a stand-up comedian. You, yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, obviously had the radio show with Kate in all its various forms over. How long is it since you guys We're, started working been, together? We started that started at the same time as the Glass House, really. So yeah, yeah since so uh, like. 2001, what? late 2001. Yeah, yeah. Right. so like 16, 17 years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and you've done. Every TV show there yeah, is yeah, out there. I've been, to I've been TV for all that time. You know, many but shows. you haven't really been had one solo host of a sh- that, TV yeah, show. Right? No, I haven't. No, absolutely. Been at the reins of your own thing. So what's yeah. a was that something that you were craving to do? And oh, look, I mean, as you know, you you know, it's easy to be a on the side chipping in rather than being the host. I mean, you know, you were the host of of the Glass House, and I was on the side, and it was easier for me that, to do that because you you know you can just sort of be funny and not have to worry about. Everyone else being funny, if you know what I mean. So, but when you're the host, and as you know, you want everyone to have their best time. So, and that is a big difference of like wanting when you're on the side of a show, part of your ego, which is unhealthy and absolutely admit it's unhealthy. You want to be the funniest person on that panel, but when you're the host, you want everyone to be the funniest people they can be. You know, I don't want to. I, when I'm hosting, I don't want to be. I don't want to be the funniest, really, which is weird for me to say. You know what I mean? I want everyone, and when people come up to me in the street and say, I loved so-and-so on your show, I love so-and-so on your show, I literally take that as a compliment for me, you know, which is so different to when, you know, you're a, you're a panel member on Have You Been Paying Attention or, you know, or whatever other show over the years that I've been on. So, and I've really enjoyed that. You know, I've really enjoyed enjoying everyone's laughs, you know, and... and well, I've, I think you'll find, like, the feedback I always think is that, the only time you're counting jokes is when a thing's not working. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, like if a thing's working, everyone's fine. Yes. And you're, like, you know, if it, like the way that your show's been working and it has been a, a fantastic success and I think that, um, you know, across the board, people have been just really enjoying it. You know, yeah, you've had great talent on we'll whatever. Get you, we'll get you on eventually. But we people will. say... I mean, we wanted to get Will on, but he had his back issues. I did have and my yes, back yes, issue. Yes, I yes, couldn't yes, sit yes. down at the time. Yes, no, fair enough. Yep, and absolutely. you had no desk for me to hide behind. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... 
I could have sat down behind something that I yeah, could yeah. shift awkwardly yeah, behind, but you're like, no, nah, yeah, can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, but but the thing about it is that I think the general vibe of the show tends to be that thing of going, this is a funny show. Yeah, and it's a like, team everyone's game. Everyone's funny on it. You want it to be a team game, and that's the best thing. When you do stand-up comedy on your own, so it's only you getting last, but you, I, you really do... I, when I'm on a panel show, I want it to be a team game. I want it, you know, it's you want everyone setting each other up. And, you know, the best laughs will come, not from you dropping a bit of your stand-up into the show, even though that might make the, the highlight real or whatever, but the best bits will be when the interaction between, you know, different people on the show and, the, and it goes somewhere where no one thought it was going to go. So, yeah. Hmm. What do you know about comedy now that you wish you had known when you started doing comedy? Um, I think it's, it's, I mean, I've always sort of known it, but you forget it is to just not take yourself seriously. I really, you've got to keep remembering not to take yourself seriously. Like even the other day, doing two episodes of a TV show, you know, no, very little sleep, got you on set for way, hours, hours, could do two in a row. It's like you're filming for bloody up to six hours and you've done two hours of rehearsal before that. But as I said to myself as I'm walking in, don't lose your sense of humour. Do not lose your sense of humour in, in any situation. And I still do sometimes and, uh, and it embarrasses me and we all do because we all, we all have our moments. Yeah. You know, there's no doubt and I still have my moments. I have them, you know, but less and less I reckon, but I still have them. But keep your sense of humour, you know. And as I say to anyone starting out comedy, remember you're doing it because you think life's funny. Do not take yourself too seriously here. Don't uh, work hard, work hard, but remember to... Uh, to laugh as you do it. Do you think that comedians in general can be guilty of, this is a very leading question, mm. but um, okay, I believe, myself included, myself being a prime example of this, but I think that sensitivity to criticism for people who, de- who belt out criticism on a daily know, basis oh, yeah. of others is something that is a fair judgment of people to make of comedians, <laughs> that we are thin-skinned for people who are so... <laughs> You know, I know. Able to make fun of everybody else. I know. Else. I know we are. I know we are. So yeah, and it's, and I think you know, and I make fun of that as well. You try to make fun of the fact that you're thin-skinned. You know, right. God, I was on Gogglebox a couple of weeks ago, and someone said one of the women on it said I was one of the ugliest guys I've ever seen. I remember that, and it broke my heart. I didn't know until um, I was I was on my. It's actually that's on that will be on my TV show next week. Because it's become a bit, you know, everything becomes a bit. So, but I, I only found out about it when I was in bed checking my phone, which I'm not doing anymore, but checking my phone at like 11.30 at night. And the person who'd said it, one of the goggle boxes, I didn't really know it. I didn't know. I don't really, I, I appreciate the show, but I don't really watch it. But she said, I'm sorry that calling, I'm, she sent me a, a message, a public message, but to me, I'm sorry I called you one of the ugliest fuckers I've ever seen. You're not that bad or something like that. It was like... But she didn't even say, I didn't mean it. She just said, I'm sorry for saying it. You're really funny. And I, yeah. took, I was like, I was lying. Didn't next, even take it back. No, but I was lying next to my wife and I'm like, oh God. And, I, and it took me a while. I, I, I swear to God, I, I, um, I drafted about probably five replies without sending them. So, but I was like, yeah, it was like, and I talk about it the next day on the radio. I felt embarrassed talking about it. Well, I remember, so that's, I hadn't seen that episode of Gogglebox at that stage. Yeah, but, yeah. but we watch it most weeks. Amy really loves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we tend to watch it when it's on Channel 10. It yes, goes to air on first the Thursday. On, yeah, when, for, this was Wednesday yeah. night. So, it'd so been this would on have been Lifestyle. the Foxtel version, Foxtel, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, yeah, so the order I saw it was, I heard you on the radio yeah. talk about it. <laughs> then, I, then I saw it, knew yes, it was coming yes, when yes, I watched yes. it that night. Yeah. 
But Amy thinks it's hilarious because I quite, I actually really quite like Gogglebox. It's one of those yeah, shows yeah. where I'm like, I thought it was going to be a really terrible show and I couldn't believe yeah, that we yeah. had a TV it's show about watching. Yeah. And then you're like, this is actually good fun. Good fun and yeah, not yeah. a bad way to get a little insight into a whole bunch of shows I don't watch as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's packaged together well. It's yeah, kind I'm of not, fun. It's really well. It's a great you success know. for Channel 10 and Foxtel. But Gruen will come up at least twice a season, most seasons. Oh, yeah, right. They'll have a Gruen one. And there's a standard formula to it, which is they'll start by, you know, people going, oh, I don't know if I like this show. And then at the end, like, essentially, they're laughing at something yeah, or right. enjoying something. Right? Yeah, right, yeah. I can't watch it. Like, yeah, exactly. I like Gogglebox, <laughs> but the minute they start, like, Amy's like, they did a good one on Gruen last night. I'm like, no, nah, oh, no, Someone that. will say something that will break your heart. Whatever it'll be. Apparently they did it again the other night. That someone tweet, not someone tweeted me. They did it the other night, and they were all really positive about the show again. I think they felt bad about the first yeah. one, but but they, I mean, there's a, the, yeah. But again, that's that was like that's criticism. My sister's like, I'm never watching that show again. But look, but you know what? I get a bit out of it. I get like anything that is insulting to me becomes comedy. So in the end of the day, everything that is you know is uh, hurt your feelings becomes a bit is and that's the beauty there, of, of has your idea of what is on and off limits changed um you know is everything up for grabs you know in your world and your life or is there sort of things that you have because people would imagine i think that you are as honest as anyone is you know yeah yeah, yeah you'll yeah. get your wife or your kids on the radio yeah, yeah, to yeah, relay yeah. the incident or the story yeah, or yeah. whatever so i think people would look at you and go well if anyone's telling us you know, everything that happens, it's probably Husey, right? Yeah, well, not every. You're not going to get everything, yeah. yeah. But I so mean, you try to push the yeah. limits of what's what's possible. But, you know, I mean, obviously, my wife will say occasionally, you cannot talk about that. And I don't because I don't want to, you know, her to not like me, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. But she's very, she's very good. So we've got a, a relationship where, yeah, she's, her embarrassment factor is really, um, you know, She's got a, a she's she's allows most things, which is great. So and that's it makes it. I I well, I went out with a girl before, uh, uh, Holly, who yeah, she was a bit more sensitive about what was said about her on uh, you know radio and stuff. So yeah, I've had a few. I do a used to do a Saturday morning show on Triple M, and I, I remember coming home. I remember I'd, I'd, I'd got a new pair of shoes and on radio on the Saturday morning show on Triple M, I'd said, oh, you know, basically it was intimated that because it was a pretty um, you know a shoe salesman is why I bought the shoes. And uh, so I got home to our house and she opened the front door, looked down at my shoes and just saw the new shoes and basically almost, I think she almost tried to attack me, but it was there. So it was like, she didn't get the joke. She didn't appreciate that I'd bought these shoes because it was a pretty salesperson. That wasn't, that wasn't good for her apparently. So yes. And yeah, so that was, that could be tricky. That was tricky. (laughs) Um, When you're putting together a new show for Melbourne, uh, do you... Start with sort of aims and aspirations for what no, it might be, or no. do you just like start? I, I, and I still do, and anyone sees me, I, it's a grab bag what I do, you know, and you, you make it as current as possible. And look, there, there could be an old bit get in there, you know, I'm not going to deny that, but no one ever says to me that was the same show I've seen before. So it's, I, it's a fluid, it's absolutely fluid what I do. So yeah, but hopefully there'll be bits from today, like all from tomorrow. So I never, I never walk on stage with the show set ever and so i'll be like during the i'll literally won't know what bits coming next and so i will wander around in my mind and with the set so it'll all every show will be slightly different and sometimes stressful but yeah why like that i don't know i honestly don't know and it's like you know what when i had there was times where i didn't do much stand-up back in the day when i was 
doing full-on breakfast radio and, you know, the glass house. And I had those two things. And I wasn't doing much stand-up. And um, I had some shows which were just really stressful at Melbourne. Like, And this was the start when I was really selling a lot of tickets. Right. No, I would still sell tickets, but this was like... You know, that initial rush of doing the main town hall. I well, the, the problem is that, like, you get all the, you know, sort of success at the exact same time that you're too busy to concentrate. I know. <laughs> I remember once, and this is the most worst stand-up experience of my life, I reckon, where I've walked out on stage and the show was, was, it, was it was titled Massive. And it was like, this was before, you know... Before you did the town hall, before many comedians were doing big yeah, things. No, right? it was like a big, yeah, yeah. it was a big, big deal. Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing the main stage of the town hall with no preparation. And I had not, I wouldn't, had not worked up material in smaller clubs. And I walked on stage with a half assed idea of what I was going to do. I was so stressed. It was a full, like, you know, 1,500 people, whatever it is there. And the first joke, I can't remember what it was, it was fucking tanked. And I did about three or four jokes that tanked and I, in front of 1,500 people. And that room can be cold. It, well, it's a room that you need to take a show that is already <laughs> at its best. It's not a room that you can work in your material. So I remember, you know, and I was just, I just got, I fucking panicked. And I'm like, I was just, I was having the worst time of my entire life. Like I was there in a room, which would be the biggest success of my life. And I was having the worst time of my life. I wanted to kill myself on stage, 10 minutes in to an hour show. And I got off stage. I ended up doing old material. And I got off stage and I felt the worst I've ever felt. I could not leave backstage until about an hour or an hour and a half after the show because I did not want to run into one person who had been at that show. And I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed the show, but my, my, I was just mortified. And, it, and it, 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 after that, from that next year on, I thought you've got to work on this. You cannot not work on your show. So I remember I had a show at the uh, Sydney Opera House, and it was in one of those like you know the, on when I was first coming up, and it was in yeah. one of those smaller rooms that are made for musicians, so that they, they suck the sound into the oh, walls. Right. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. Like, they're literally made so that you can't hear the audience's noise so that like, you know, someone can be playing a violin and when somebody sneezes or coughs, it doesn't affect the performance yeah. and you're doing stand up in one of those rooms. Oh, so it's fair to say I wasn't getting the yeah. vibe from the audience that I would have hoped. And they were having, it was opening night and they were having a little drinks thing that they'd thrown upstairs. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't go to it. I was like, I said, I can't, I can't go. It was just, I can't go and like pretend, like have people say to me that that was all right or whatever. And so I'm in my car, like down under yeah. the opera house, like, and I'm crying in my car. Yeah. And our manager, Kevin, who yeah. you know, has managed both of us for, you know, 20 Many years. years. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, who's not, it's fair to say, uh, a natural hugger, yeah. not a human affection person. <laughs> and it's, I he still remember hugging. it. Yeah, hate yeah. hugging. Yeah. And I still remember that's how desperate I must have been that he came in and hugged me. I was like, if I want to talk about what you, yeah, when you bottom out, when you're at absolute zero, yeah, yeah. is when Kev feels like he needs <laughs> to hug you. You know, it's hilarious that you, uh, you know, you advertise yourself as a comedian, and you're you're going to make right. everyone happy. And internally, you just want to die. You're like, you're like, you just want to, you just want to be anywhere but where you are. You hate the world, and then you've got to plough through another thirty minutes or whatever. Yeah. What is it about a job? So this is interesting to me because in a lot of other careers, if you were this far into it, and you were had had the level of you know, uh, and by the way, this is just like 
in, in, in any industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had had the same sort of milestones and touchstones that we had had in our industry, you'd be... Like, when you went to work, you'd probably know what you were doing. Like, yeah, whereas yeah. we still put ourselves through this process of, like, there's a couple of bits in my show that I'm still just, like, yeah, yeah. quite... You know, yeah, and yeah. you're like, why am I putting myself through this idea that I'm going back to... Like, what is it about that idea of that you are putting yourself in a position where some nights you will walk home from it yeah. and go, I feel terrible. Well, I think and I, I'm the only person who has done this to myself. <laughs> well, I, th- I imagine, I'm not completely sure, but I think probably the, the, the fact that it still can flatline, you can still have a shocking gig, actually probably gives you that joy, the continued joy for when it is, isn't like that. So I think it's good to be able to, even though it hurts when it happens, it's good to be able to remember that, you know, what you're doing is actually... You know, I'm not going to say amazing, but it's pretty special, you know. So what you're doing to a room full of people. I remember the first time I really made a, a room full of people crack up. I really had that thought that I, what I'm doing is making those people, that group of strangers, make noises out of their mouth. And make I'm making them happy. I'm making a group of people I don't know happy. What a wonderful thing to do. But not just a group of people, but a group of people who may not have anything else in common. Yes. Like we live in a world at the moment where it's very easy for us every day for us to talk about what makes us different. Yeah, absolutely. And what we don't like in yeah, other yeah, people yeah. and whatever. Yeah. But the idea that you have a capacity, at least for an hour, yeah. to get a room full of strangers who might not ever talk to each other at a barbecue or sit next to yeah, each other yeah. on a train, all agree. Because yes. that's what comedy is, right? Yes, it is. You're it's... going, I agree. Like I, my laughter is... That I recognise that, or I see yes, that to be yes, true, or absolutely. I agree with you, and they're all doing it together. So these people who may have nothing else in common have been brought together yes, in enjoying that absolutely. same moment. There you're is something wonderful about you that. You know what? You're inspiring me just through that. What you just said there, the yeah, of, the, of everyone recognizing the human experience is universal, and it's okay to laugh at it. You right. know, together. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, we should finish up uh, yep. because, you know, we both are busy people and it's Melbourne <laughs> Comedy Festival week. Uh, but I do want to ask you, because I always ask people in this podcast about yep. these things. Uh, so uh, do you, uh, what do you think happens when you die? Yeah. Do you, good, do you think about it? I, I do. Absolutely. I do. You know, I do think, I think it's, um, I don't, I, obviously I've, I've got no idea, but um, oh, look, I think it'll be, I think it'll be peaceful. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 the, I mean, I, we don't. In general, I think humans don't appreciate the fact that they are alive enough. They don't. You don't. We don't appreciate the fact that we can breathe, that we can think, that we can move. That, or you know, whether you can or not. But you, you don't appreciate, yeah, life enough. So um, we need to do that first before we think about what happens when we die. But um, that's a, there's a little bit of you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. Yes, that, which. So I couldn't sit down for three months yes. last year. Yeah, right. And I just didn't realise how much I... Like, now, every time I sit down, I just, like, enjoy... The, I'm like, oh, sitting down's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> like, up until that point, I never really thought about how yeah, good yeah, being yeah. able to sit down is. Yeah, yeah. But when you can't sit down for a meal or to watch a movie or whatever, yeah, yeah. then next time you go to the movies, like, when you can, you're like, how good's been at the movies? Yeah. Well, sitting I, down, watching a movie. Yeah, to broaden that out, I don't think we we appreciate being alive enough. Yeah. So, um. What happens when we die? I don't know, but I think that'll be peaceful. You don't have an idea of like you know you do you believe you, that you're dead and then that's it and no I don't do think, think so I don't I don't think so I think that 
I don't. I'm, I rarely. I mean, think obviously, about you it. don't know. Yeah, like, I, I mean, rarely think about it, but I can only imagine that your energy will go somewhere, and that oh God, it's just, it's just, it's awe inspiring even thinking about it. I'm really in tingly thinking about uh, it's something you don't contemplate very often, and it's when you've got children, you got to try to explain to them what you don't know. I'd say to my kids, life's a mystery. Just enjoy it, you know, and death's a mystery as well. Enjoy that. So yeah. That's a that's a really interesting perspective. One of the things that you did on the radio recently, which I was just I thought was just a amazing radio, and people can uh, download the podcast using Kate and and find this. I'm sure, and I know you talked about it, it came out of something you talked about on the TV show, which is uh, you talked about your dad, and then yes, you, yeah. you were contacted by a nurse who'd you yes. talked about the idea that the two of you didn't say yeah I we love didn't you yeah we much. didn't really yeah get on we didn't see eye to eye it's like the Mike and the Mechanic song but I've yeah. actually listened to that song and he really wanted to tell his dad that he was dad was an arsehole and that <laughs> if you listen to, I heard it the other day and I thought his dad's probably glad he didn't say it to him because he's he basically just wanted to have a go at his dad the whole time so yeah if you get to get the you know the living is yeah. get the lyrics he's like, he basically want to say I don't like your dad so yeah. I don't like you, Dad, and I'm sad you died before I could get this off my chest. I swear to God, those lyrics are like that. But the yeah. film clip's just the lead singer, Mike, from Mike and the Mechanics, <laughs> pissing on his dad's grave. Yeah, but a nurse sent me a message, a direct message on Instagram, I think it was, saying that she, I can't even talk about it, she nursed Dad yeah. in his final days and that he was Well, very, but people can listen to the yeah, radio. very because proud of his family. And the way that you reading the letter or attempting to read the yeah. letter is, it's genuinely... A, I, I swear to God, I can't even talk about it yeah. now. It's a, but it's weird. But yes, it's a... Yeah, it was a lovely message for that nurse to send. That dad, My dad was proud of his family. It was yeah. lovely. Mm. Right. It's, well, yeah, I can yeah. see even now. I know, it's despite weird. Despite the fact that you've that talked it, about it so much. Yes, it's weird. It's a weird one. It really, it really got to me. So, yes, it was... Yeah, that was... That was a, you know, that was a, a lovely thing that social media had done, you know? For all the negativity that can happen on social media, that was for someone to be able to send that message. And yeah, and I showed it to mum and she was crying. And it was, you know, he, she, in the messages, he talked about how much he loved his wife. And it was lovely. Uh, does that make you think about the way that you are with your family? Yeah, it does. And I really, look, I, I just want to, I want to instill in my children that life is fun. You know, and that's it, that life is fun. Anyhow, you know, we're not judgmental at home and don't judge other people, you know, really, you know, and just, you know, laugh at everything. And I really want them to be able to laugh at themselves as well. So, and that's, you know, that's what, and I, they into my routine a lot and they, you know, I tell them, oh, you, you, when you said that, I've made that a joke, you know, and they, so, and they enjoy that. So, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's one thing I want my children, what, you know, whatever they do in their life, they can, whatever, it doesn't matter. They, if they think life is fun. And that, and they're able to laugh at themselves, and that's that's what I want them to be able now, to do. Now there is a case at the moment of a woman who's being sued by her ex-husband because she did a show about their uh, divorce and relationship, yeah. and we trying to get on the radio. Yeah, actually, he's yeah. now suing her. Yes. Um, so I just would say, get those kids to sign some release forms. <laughs> if you could just get Kev to knock up some release forms, get the kids to sign them. Just it's a to... real incentive for me to stay with Holly as well. So. If, if we got divorced and then she, you know, like Stefanovic, like, and then she's like, and you can't joke about the kids either, that would be, uh, no, we were staying together. Yeah, I lost the kids in the divorce. <laughs> Access to them, no, just the material, but that's worse. I still see them on weekends and they're doing so much it's funny fun, stuff. I can't, that I can't mention talk it. About. Oh, yeah. There you go. Hey, uh, Husey, tell us about um, uh, Comedy Festival this year. You're at the Athenaeum. Yeah, Athenaeum. You I, love the Ath, right? I do you, love that. I know that you're. Comedy theatre, which is a beautiful theatre, and we've yeah. worked there together. But the Ath for me is, 
it's dingy. I mean, I, the backstage is dingy and it's just, I just love the feel of it. It's a beautiful old theatre and, um, you know, it doesn't have to be completely full. Like the comedy doesn't happen. I'm sure it is every night for you, but, it, you know, not every night is completely full. No, but you, I mean, that's, we're doing, mate, we're doing four we're weeks. We're doing a month, yeah, absolutely. We're doing so. four weeks in Thousand Seat Theatres. <laughs> if it's not fucking completely full every fucking night, then calm down. Hold your horses. I know, absolutely. So it's a beautiful theatre. Remember the first time that like any, uh, this would have been you playing the town hall probably. Yeah, yeah. The first time that probably anyone of our generation played a thousand seat venue. Yeah. We were like, and that's 1500 or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. We were like losing our minds. Oh, man. And now if we don't, Sell out our twenty nights there. We're like, what's going on? Mate, I, I saw. I remember <laughs> seeing you at the Princess Theatre, and I, you know, like, kind of, you had like, I don't know, eight hundred people on a Wednesday, maybe a thousand people on a Wednesday yeah. night. The Princess Theatre, and you, I was like, he's on for a month. <laughs> Wednesday night, what the hell's going on here? This place is full. <laughs> My God, yeah. So you know, we're very lucky, and yeah. Um, so uh, the new show is called the Snor- Snorkeler. Snorkeler. Yeah. So is I, there any uh, snorkeling based? Uh, there's a little bit of snorkeling yeah. based. It's a it's a routine I've been doing for a couple of years, but it's it just it resonates with people, and it's about the fact that my um, friends down in Warrnambool were surfers. I was a snorkeler, and they got more attention. Snorkelers aren't appreciated. Anyway, and it's funny thing about that is that my two good daughters, my five year old and six year old, the other morning were eating their rice bubbles and my uh, five-year-old just out of the blue, because obviously the posters have been around Melbourne, so her mother, yeah. my wife had explained to her, that's Daddy's show, and my, yeah. my five-year-old said, Daddy, you should have been a surfer, not a snorkeler. And, I'm like, <laughs> and then her sister, her six-year-old sister, just looked at me and said, Dad, you're a loser. <laughs> and you're obviously like, I have I, sign <laughs> these consent forms because that's going in the show. And it has, and obviously my wife hasn't explained the rest of the routine about what a snorkeler boyfriend could do for... Women, anyway, let's, thank God you didn't explain that. I mean, <laughs> wouldn't be put it beyond her, honestly. My son knows about the facts of life at the age of seven. God almighty. Anyway, there's a routine there. Come to see the show. <laughs> uh, and, of course, your television show, Husey, We Have a Problem. Um, uh, you can catch all the old episodes on 10 Play and it got extended. So Yeah, so we're having a, six, a run of 16 episodes. We're in the middle of filming the second eight. So, yeah, it's at 8.30. The first run's 8.30 on a Tuesday night. So, it's yeah. a fantastic show. Uh, mate, thank you so much. Oh, Husey and Kate. On yeah, the, 4.30 every afternoon on the Hit Network right around across the country. Australia, yeah, right? all regionals as well, which is great. And so, if yeah. you are, uh, I've been listening to it on the, I listen to the podcast yeah, yeah. and um, you know you can get that from all over the world so if you're listening to this anywhere in the world and you want to check out Husey and Kate they have a podcast yeah, every yeah, day it's yeah. about 40 minutes of the you know 40 minutes to an hour of the best bits of the show so it's a great way to listen absolutely, if you're here in the country Kate's an absolute superstar so yeah it's great well I was going to talk to you about Kate but I think we'll save that for another time yeah yeah because I'd love to talk about the idea of maintaining a professional relationship with somebody yeah, for that long, for yeah. that long, yeah, and yeah. in that way, I think it's a really fascinating topic. But let's let's we'll save that for next yeah, time. We'll hook them through. Get her on, mate. She's yeah, a, she's I would, to be I'm definitely would like yeah, to get her on. To, but she's hard. She doesn't want to work as much as I do. She's, you know, <laughs> she's probably smart. I don't think anyone wants to work as much as you do, mate. No, you do. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't think anybody outside this room <laughs> wants to work as hard as either of us do. Good on you, mate. I love your podcast. Thanks, and, uh, mate. Well I done. appreciate it. 